1: If you're a regular Song of the Soul listener, and I hope you are, you'll have no doubt that folk music is by far my preferred genre. But I do try to make occasionally exits from my folk rut, and that's what we're going to do today. I think that the reason I'm particularly attracted to folk music is that I'm lyrics-oriented, so classical doesn't do much for me, for example, and that I'm especially attracted to songs that seem to be aimed at making the world a better place, seeing what's really going on and inspiring a better path. So another somebody-done-somebody-wrong song really doesn't call to me much, nor do mindless cutesy ditties. And all of that is to say why I'm straying from my safe folk music home turf to have a hip-hop artist here today, Sterling Duns. It's because Sterling deals with a wide range of topics and lyrics that are clearly aimed at improving the world. Whether the topic is truth or peace or character or racism, Sterling speaks with both passion and compassion. Putting poetry to the service of world transformation. He's part of a couple of musical collaborations for quite a while now with Hard Work Movement and, more recently, part of a duo called City Love. Sterling Duns joins us today by phone from West Philadelphia, PA. Sterling, thanks so much for joining me for Song of the Soul.
3: Thank you so much for having me, Mark. It's a pleasure.
1: It's a pleasure to take
2: you out of your work day. You work in admissions at Friends Central School. How long Mm have you been doing that? Yeah, this is
3: my third year in admissions, and it's great. It's really great, and I coach track and field during the springtime, so it's a a beautiful spring day today, so practice should be pretty great.
2: In the interview that you did with John Watts, I heard that you went to school there, high school there. What year was that?
3: I started at Friends Central for high school in 2002, graduated in 2006. My little sister joined the school community in 2008 for middle school, 7th grade, so I was sort of the test run, and uh, <laughs> it was a thumbs up, a thumbs up. So she joined shortly after. It was a great high school experience.
2: And I assume you went there because you are immensely rich and that you can afford any kind of private school you want instead of going to a public school. I think that wasn't the case. Could you tell me how that works? No, no. I was very grateful for the opportunity to receive
3: a scholarship through a program called the Winfield Scholarship. Prince Central did a great job of trying to have a diverse student body population and this program has been running for a little bit. I was all set to go to public school. My older siblings both went to a a magnet school in Philadelphia. I applied to another public school in the city and was sort of set on that. But my mom caught wind of an opportunity at Friends Central, and my dad, who was still living at the time, was a man who, who sort of said, wherever you go, you know, you do your best. And so my mom uh, looked at Friends Central, and I found myself, next thing I knew I was sitting for this Winfield scholarship exam, and I was actually a runner-up. I wasn't actually the winner, but because I was a runner-up, was able to receive a financial aid award to come to the
2: school and the rest is history <laughs> Good history it sounds like because Good history. Now, yeah, now you're back there working as admissions yourself that's cool,
3: yeah I didn't burn a lot of bridges my time here, so they let me come back they let <laughs> me come back
2: It is kind of interesting, I think that school. All told, has just over 800 students, Mm -hmm. and I I saw on their website that the average class size is only 14. That's amazing. I don't know any school anywhere. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just amazing. Mm -hmm.
3: It's certainly it's a school that I think, yeah, it's an unbelievable academic, emotional, spiritual opportunity that I was afforded, and I think you know the idea of really having smaller class sizes. You know, some of the smaller classes could be. Maybe twelve or so, and some of the largest classes could get up to twenty. You know, twenty-one's a little big, but classes are try to be kept to a a specific size, just in terms of creating community in those classrooms, and then the community, those communities, can grow outside the classroom. So it's a a special
2: place. Now, you know, I'm talking to you because you do hip hop music. Were you doing music at the time that you were at Front Central?
3: I wasn't. I was not. I guess I was singing on the choir at my church. That was probably the most musical. I played violin when I was younger, but stopped because I could finally stop. Um,
2: (laughs) You were allowed to. Right.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, no, I, I mean, I always joked around, you know, singing songs, making up songs, putting lyrics together, but I never really played music or learned music when I was in high school in a more academic sense or textbook sense. It wasn't a part of my life in the way it is now.
2: So when did you start picking up the music? And I don't know if you started right away hip-hop rap or maybe there was a a gateway music too. I had an older brother
3: that we shared a room and I think I listened to a lot of the same music that he listened to. So I remember a lot of R&B being played, and I remember hip-hop being played, so I, I feel like, and my dad used to listen to sort of oldies music, so I was surrounded by music all the time, but I really didn't start to own music for myself, or maybe be owned by music, or allow music to move through me, is a better statement, until I was in college, my first year of college, I always thought the idea of playing The guitar was the neat idea, and so I befriended somebody who was patient and loving enough to teach me the guitar when I was 18. It was October of 2006, and that December for Christmas, I got my first guitar, and the rest was history as well.
2: (laughs) And so that would have been while you were at Dickinson College?
3: Yep, that was when I was at Dickinson.
2: And so your English major there and then eventually you got an MA in poetry. Now, I was wondering, again, how you get to be a rapper. I thought one of the gateway forms might be poetry slams. Did you ever engage in something like that?
3: I never engaged in poetry slams myself, and looking back, I definitely think creative writing, if if there's going to be anything that was the gateway, that would be it. But I didn't really see... I saw my poetry in so many ways for a long time separate from the hip-hop, definitely the music I was playing in college, and then it took me a while to realize, oh, when I was 17, I had a, a senior project where I wrote an entire poetry portfolio, and I really was connecting with the words, and words were going to be how I interacted and told my truth. But, but all those ideas it didn't make sense to me until... I really started to dive into the music which was rap when I was about twenty three, coming back from my MA which was in England at the University of East Anglia. And I just really I had this love of the guitar. I had this love of words. But I really didn't start rapping seriously until I think till I was twenty got back and it was probably a year later actually when I was twenty four. I my first mixtape dropped. Fall of 2012, and it was just a sort of an experiment to see if I could do
2: it. And so that's just a few years ago, three, four years ago, that mm-hmm. you really started getting on this path. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give us an example of what you've done and let us know, you know, when is this from?
3: Yeah. So one of the first mixtapes that we we I said we the Hard Work Movement, which is a sort of collective of individuals all passionate about hip-hop and also social issues one of the first mixtapes that we made it was called gift rapping and sort of a playoff of the word rapping we spelled it rapping at that time i had a lot of thoughts about what it would mean to pursue a passion and and sort of the highs and lows that come along with that and that sparked this track called afterthought which you'll hear right now yo my dude just us down
0: at the train station I'm uh I'm trying to get a cab over there, man. It's, it's raining pretty hectic out. Um, so I should be there in a bit. All right, yo, one. Need this cab. Taxi. Shoot. Taxi. <laughs> it's nothing some storm chasers, here come them storm troopers, warm up my lightsaber, hold up I hear the rumors, so sophomoric in nature, emails to old pals and females trapped in fairy tales, too many in prison cells, my parents done did me well, heaven knows I've been dreaming, scheming for ways out of hell, tip my hat to cab drivers that scoop me up in midtown, drop me off go. much get some lunch let's catch up he's still grinding with them photos i'm still grinding with the push it's that time to catch my ride gotta head to the ill of i put the mic down for a bit but ain't get no dirt on that shelf i take my time with every word but some nights they just don't mix and then i think i should just quit my mind's up to all its old tricks but i cannot let them thoughts stick i just keep pushing on and i leave behind the doubts They're just an afterthought. The men. Old wounds all oh, to open up again. So let's talk, please, if you're up to it. But of course you're not, so we call it quits. And I used to have step, now it's all legit. And I used to run track till my hand me rip. Used to deny death till my family went. Now I sit back with my handy pen, And I let the words flow, keep moving quick. And if I had to say so, I say I'm on the brink of what exactly will I?
2: Maybe a little bit ironically, Sterling Duns has chosen to start out his Song of the Soul interview with the song Afterthought. You're supposed to put your postscripts at the end of the letter, you know that, Sterling? Mm -hmm. That was Afterthought from the set Gift Rappin', and it's done by his, his group, Hard Work Movement. Who is Hard Work Movement?
3: It's a lot of friends that I've made at Friend Central, actually, when I was in high school that uh, I've kept in touch with who have just really impacted me. Um, there's a few members. There's uh, Rick Banks, a.k.a. Keenan Willis. There's uh, R.B. Ricks, really good friend, Robert Ricketts. And then a few people that I met in college as well. There's Jeremy Keys. He went by Young Leo Da Vinci for a little bit. He might change his name up. And our next installment in SDs, who was uh, a few years younger than everybody, Sean Denson. And there's been people that have bopped in and out over the years from my college roommate, the trumpet player, Marty, great friend, another great friend from high school, Daddy, brother. There's been many different iterations as we've made music, but sort of that core group, is myself, Rick Banks, R.B. Ricks, Estes, and, and Young Leo. It's been great. It's been great. Just beautiful people that have beautiful thoughts. And we all thought we should make things together and have them be something that people could digest.
2: So when hard work movement presents its stuff, its music, are you the wordsmith? Are there other people? And, and like afterthought, how much of that are your words or did other people kibitz and put in some of their own?
3: The afterthought specifically was just me writing some thoughts down, but I was really influenced. At, that was a sample of the track. So the sample of that track was from an artist Atlas who was based out of New York, was a friend of a friend, and I I really got inspired to write those lyrics from the chorus that she sings. But I feel blessed that most of blessed to have friends who are all brilliant wordsmiths and who really we we influence each other. We give each other tips about different things to write or sort of try versus out. We have a lot of freestyle sessions and just bounce ideas off of each other. But really, each of us, we each have a different voice. And I think some of the hard work mixtapes we've made, it, you can tell, oh, this is a Sterling Dunn done, for, so this is a Rick Banks first. So. so it's been really unique to be in a space together and be able to create with each other, but also to be individual in what we create.
2: One of the lines in there, you say, my parents did me well. And that's wonderful testimony. You said your father's already passed on, your mother's still around. How did they do you well? Specifically, what kind of things are you carrying forward that you say, this is really a gift?
3: I feel my parents come from a working-class family. I think my parents really, really pressed education. I remember my dad used to always say, we should have a, a library of books in my basement. And my dad used to always say, you know, you should read those books in the basement. And, you know, I was always like, why is he trying to, I want to just play, finish playing Sonic the Hedgehog on my just <laughs> You know, why does, why does he want me to, why does this man keep telling me to read these books? You know, and now years later, I'm just a voracious reader. I can't put down books. And now I think like, oh, that's what my dad meant. That's what he taught me. And my mom is, is just one of the most loving, caring, and patient people that I know. You know, it took me a while to really realize that because she's your mom and she might do something and you all of a sudden you're annoyed. And I think the the older I've got, the older I've become, the, the more I just appreciate her and my dad. And they always taught me to, you know, never judge a book by its cover and to, because you don't know what anybody's growing, going through. And I think I've really, just in my social justice work, have really taken a lot of things they taught me to heart because, you know, and they paved the way. They paved the way in so many ways sacrificed a lot and, and really wanted better for me and my siblings.
2: I assume one of the things that they gave you was a good church upbringing. You said you used to sing in church choir. So I imagine there was some church around you at that time. Which one was it, and, and what did you get out of it? How much did you carry forward from that?
3: Yeah, I went to Christian Stronghold Baptist Church, which is in West Philly. You know, my relationship with the church has evolved over the years as well. I'm now I'm a member of Marian Meeting. But that church brought me community. You know, there's a lot of people in there. I had a lot of family and friends who became like family there who were really encouraging me to have a strong spiritual anchor and also got me to think about how I wanted to live my life and let my life speak. You know, growing up in church, the Bible is a, a, a big part of, of church. Singing's a big part of Baptist church, definitely. So I learned a lot from reading scriptures and learning about people's lives and learning about the life that Jesus lived and was really important for me because he was a very radical person in the way that he loved people and reached out to people. And I think that can sometimes get lost to the dogmatic and religiosity of of, of, of conversations around the church. But that's something I've really have just taken to heart since I started doing social justice work and really learning about other people throughout history who have loved people radically, just loved people in ways that just don't seem possible. So it was definitely a fundamental part of my upbringing and my relationship to the church has evolved over the years. Um, it went from, you know, Happy to angry, sort of I, I guess um, yeah, I'm losing the word, but uh yeah it, I,
2: i'm gonna I'm going guess for you, fond yeah. appreciation for the base that you got from it yes, yes, absolutely absolutely, absolutely <laughs> and, and I say that by the way, Sterling, because I grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. and I had a good experience of it. And at a certain point, I knew that the theology wasn't right for me. There's, you know, a male-dominated structure didn't seem right to me. I mean, there's a number of things like that that were issues. But my experience with the people, and particularly the priests and nuns, was all good. These are Mm -hmm. people really trying to do the best for God's will. And so I got no harsh things to say about them, but it was also my launching point. Mm -hmm. And so... When I got Absolutely. connected with Quakers when I was 18, I saw that this was a place that maybe was a better fit. And I didn't really fully decide that till five years later. But mm-hmm. So anyway, t- talk about your journey.
3: Yeah, I think once I left the Philadelphia area to go to college and then began interacting with people from all different walks of life, people who came from all different religions, people who believed in no religion, you know. And and it was the first time I was having conversations about spirituality and what it means to be human and have morals. First time I was exploring those ideas really, really passionately, asking myself some deep questions. And I think when I got back home, when I would come back home for breaks, it just became harder and harder for me to connect with some of the things at the church. And there were a lot of things that I still connected with, but I was on a journey for sure. I went to England for the first time during a study abroad program. Well, the very first time I went when I was in French Central. So the second time I went, I was a junior at Dickinson and found myself missing the Quaker meeting, the feel that Quaker meeting had given me from my high school. And it had been three years by that point since I had been to a Quaker meeting. And I just went to a meeting in England and just loved the stillness, loved just having this time to reflect. And I sort of remembered, you know, the idea of there's that of God in everyone and, and really started to think about that idea and, and how I wanted that to be lived out in my life. And then I took a break. I didn't go to quick meeting for a little bit more. And then when I started to work, at Friends Central, one of our opening ceremonies as a faculty and staff was that Marian meeting, which was seven minutes away from my house, and I just found myself really drawn. We had a meeting for worship as a faculty and staff, and it was this beautiful moment where I realized this may be something that I want to engage with you know, once a week. And so I went to a meeting not too long after, and I interacted with some of the people at the meeting. And found out some people engaged in different actions or involved in the community in different ways. And I was like, I could really get with this. Soon after, I, I just found myself applying for membership at Marion Meeting. All sorts of details in there, but that's pretty much the journey.
2: So, your musical journey is going on at the same time that your spiritual <laughs> journey is going on. I'm sure you've seen John Watts' video that the concert er- erupts during Quaker meeting for worship. Yes, yes. <laughs> have you ever had a song like bubbling up, those the lyrics and stand up, you know, like you want to stand up and say, I used to have a problem with commitment, now my problem is my commitment. Music. Right. I mean, you know, right. <laughs> have it, that, has that kind of thing percolated within you while you're sitting there in the silence?
3: Oh, uh, definitely. Definitely. I think it'd be a a great time to introduce a song, Millennial Babies. While sitting in meeting, I've thought about so many things. And one of the things I think about is just being young and black and male and now Quaker and, and just thinking about all these ways that I identify. But I think being young in our culture specifically, this this next song, really was something I contemplated because you, we get taught so many things about what we have to do once we leave school, leave college, entering the real world. You feel a lot of pressure from so many different parts of your life, family and friends and our culture. And some people don't really mean to put the pressure on you. Other people do. So this next song, Millennial Babies, was definitely something I think I thought about a lot while I was in meeting. I just had to get it down. So this is Millennial Babies.
0: decision or did it in the universe say listen I'm really sorry for the distance could you walk but I'm gonna let you finish. used to have problems with commitment Now my problem is my commitment Music
2: Sterling Duns is my guest today for Song of the Soul that was Millennial Babies from his recording People. And uh, that includes, of course, uh, there's a a little bit of interlude there from basic space. I can't let it out. I still let you in. Uh, And again, Sterling Duns, his website is sterlingduns.com. Duns is D-U-N-S. If you have trouble spelling, and I'm one of the most spelling challenged people I know, Come via northernspiritradio.org, all the words that you can spell. This is Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production. I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet. We're on the web at northernspiritradio.org. Almost 10 years of our program's there for free listening and download. There's links to our guests, so you can make your way that way to Sterling Dunn's. And also there's a place for comments, and we love two-way communication. You're listening to my voice now, but please go to the website and post your comments about Sterling Dunn's and about this work that we're doing together. And this is work that we're trying to do as a community, so please also remember to support it. You click on support, you can make a donation to Norden Spirit Radio. Even before you do that, though, I'd like to encourage you to support your local community radio station. There is a slice of news that we need so badly in this world, and you won't get it from the main chains and all of the media outlets that are owned by five or six different conglomerates. We need community radio stations, so please remember to support them with your wallet, with your hands. Again, Sterling Duns is here today, sterlingduns.com hip-hop music from West Philly. And you grew up in that area. You've traveled on enough, Sterling. You've, you've been over to England a couple few times. You've seen the world and you come back to West Philly. Is that inertia or is that inertia? I mean, is there is there something calling you there?
3: Yeah, I feel like, and I haven't been to there's plenty more cities to go and visit on my list, but there's Philly, to me, is one of the biggest, smallest cities out there. And I really love the community that I have built up in West Philadelphia of just people who just all seem to not have all the answers. I don't think that's any of my closest friends' mission, but all recognize that they're on a journey and are open to being on that journey and helping each other really work their way through the journey and helping to remind each other to be rooted in love and patience and empathy and all these virtues that I really, really vibe with. So it's been inertia. It's been something that just called me back. And I think I was set to move to other places. When I got back from graduate school, I wanted to live out on the West Coast, soak up some sun rays, be close to a beach. And I was off that to maybe do some work with Organization City Year, an AmeriCorps organization. But around the time I actually got a job out in California, my father was ill at the time and actually wound up passing away. I just felt it best, best to be home with my family. I had some good friends who I hadn't been or built with in a little bit. And then while I was home, I made my way back to Friends Central School for a meeting for leaving at that time for my old head of school. So it it was the universe just pulling me back to this place. A lot of things happened in my life that just really had me thinking this was the place to be rooted. Since I got back, the years I've had here have been, honestly, the best years of my life.
2: And a lot of that has to do with doing a lot of wonderful music. And you're doing that with Hard Work Movement, that group. You're doing it as a duo, City Love. You're doing it on your own. When you do your releases, when you release people like where millennial babies is from where when you release Gift Wrap and is it your name? Is it the group's name? How does this all go?
3: That's definitely been something that I'm still working out because it's it's been hard to separate what exactly is me and what exactly is part of others. I'm actually in the midst of working on a project that I think will just be mostly sterling done, And so I've been I haven't written or released anything for hip hop and a little bit at uh, any solid project. So in the past, it's definitely been with hard work movement, really just another space to build up each other. I'm going to get to see some really great friends. But in terms of my next adventure for hip hop, I think there might be one more hard work movement thing in the works, but then I'm going to share some thoughts on an album that will be a, a Sterling Dunn's album. And City Love is because I, I love playing the guitar. I um, am also picked up the Cajon, so a percussion instrument. Recently I played that's a duo with my good friend Casselli Jordan, who's a fellow educator, a fellow activist, has the voice of an angel. We combined sort of an acoustic feel with some hip hop and some R and B and social justice, socially conscious tracks. It's been a real blessing
2: to collaborate with him. A lot of great stuff going on. How about you give us another sample of it?
3: Yeah, this next track, I recorded it a few years ago now, but I was listening to it the other day in preparation to chat with you, Mark, and just thought it was really pertinent just to some of the things going on in our country at this time. This song is called Closer, and it just deals a lot with what it means to just, I, I think, conversation as a, as a young black male in our country, it definitely deals with some of the realities of that. That's why I talk about stories. I'll make it some, some stories. Fictional but also nonfiction. I'm in a lot of ways. So this is close. I'm
0: gonna bring you a little closer with this one. Shout out. Yelp! Yo, forgive me lord but these haters i ain't feeling them pat and pin and i'm fitting and going and kill it i'm the nicest assassin you ever happen to me smiling in the booth, killer beat. yeah they feel it so sweet is it a problem these youngins still getting killed in the streets what it mean if they mugging me because they ain't feeling your sneaks break eye contact man that's weakness i'm running this like greekness greatness was defined by the Greeks says having the to overcome in the face of the beast Success in the west while well, I'm chasing the east Till I cease to be deceased By the hands of time, please My timepiece was digital My perception of hell was always based on the biblical Then I looked into the eyes of a criminal Trying to see what he went through Too much, I'm doing brunch with a beauty from not too far away My girl, she ought to be, But she got plans in the autumn Now we got fans calling me Calling us, bus pack as we travel the map Guitar straps and stratocats Hard to see the fam now like we got cataracts From the grind a little stress all the time, hope the pressure don't take over. daily. departed department stores packed for shopping excursions, ceremonies back for Sunday. For that ultra service, who needs a healing? I'm so thankful, I hate regret. Yo, who needs those feelings? And I'm sorry, I had to let go. My feet were itching like an athlete, constantly wearing batsnicks. My rap sheet is a bunch of rap bees, written on a rap sheet, explaining all my membrane activities. Actively seeking simplicity, drugs in their veins, quick shot of that inner peace. I'm trying to keep my body clean like a centerpiece. Family at a dinner feast, flashing lights, the police lights, windows, please. Duck up shots, but no need for innocent bystanders. Damage all lifted up. Gifted childhoods opened up by wounds from goons. Consumed by greed. Conceived outside the womb. We did it to ourselves. And they wonder why I trust the movement. No one else should have tried harder to stop you from choosing someone else. Oh, well, another chapter turned. I might have to burn the previous chapter in case someone after learns what I used to be. I'm used to seeing these other MCs up in the lead. I couldn't get up to speed. I'm finding my stride, learning to breathe. I'm doing me.
2: That person who's doing himself is Sterling Duns. He's learning to breathe, and I thought it was powerful at the end of that Sterling that you take that breath because there's this torrent of words which is hip hop. So often it's this, it, it's a flood coming out of so much going on. You said you know stuff going on in our country, and of course I think of the recent experience in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Uh, which for you is a lot closer being in Philadelphia than for me I'm off in Wisconsin what do you end up feeling about stuff like Baltimore I mean from my point of view, that's your next door neighbor, just a hundred or 120 miles away.
3: Absolutely. So many emotions, so many emotions. And while I'm feeling all these emotions, I have to be reminded to root myself in love. And I was reading Michael Nagler's book the other day about nonviolence. And I think at this time, I want to remind myself and also remind you know others that you know I try to remind others when I get into these combos about what's going on in Baltimore that Michael Nagler talks about. It's not us you know one group of people versus another group of people, but it's those two groups of people versus the real problem, so two people working together it's not people citizens versus the police it 's not white versus black, you know it should be white and black versus whoever. Sort of historical, institutionalized forms of oppression. It's police and citizens working together to battle historical, institutionalized forms of oppression. And that's a hard thing to really think about when you're in the midst and when anger and hate and sorrow, when that is in your heart. And it, and I'm not saying one should rid themselves of all those feelings, because that wouldn't be human. That wouldn't be human. But it's been important for me, once the things that are going on, to continue to be rooted, rooted in love. It's a practice. It's a muscle that I've had to stretch out and grow over the years, and it's not something that you just are born with, and you wake up, and all of a sudden you feel you have an unlimited capacity to love, but it's something that you really work at. So I'm continuing to work at it. times like these, I feel like I'm that like gets tested, and I'm able to continue to surround myself with the people that I think are doing a great job of showing love and really carry that embody that in myself.
1: You know, Sterling, I'm getting ready to do one of my Spirit in Action interviews with the author of a book about what it means to educate students to be citizens in a democratic nation, at least that's our ideal, about how to nurture that kind of civic awareness and social justice learning in our schools. And when I was talking to you earlier, you said something about encountering people who've been branded criminals and who've done time in prison. And there's one of the lines in that song that particularly grabbed me, where you say, my perception of hell was always based on the biblical, and then I looked into the eyes of a criminal. Is that a literal event, a specific event where you were face-to-face with someone in prison and had the epiphany? Or maybe it wasn't part of some gradual process. Could you talk about that?
3: Yeah, I did. And I have to say that I, I've not gone into prisons and worked. That That is definitely on, I feel like, on the horizon, actually getting, thinking about ways I can support people who are incarcerated. But I've been interacting with people who have been in prison and now are doing all sorts of work outside of prison that just educate people about the prison system. And I helped to put on a month-long series with Bryn Presbyterian. It was between Mary and me and Bryn Presbyterian. And there were people there who had been in prison for 15, 20, 25 years, who are now coming to this space with love in their heart. And hurt, but mostly love. I mean, just educating the attendees about the prison system. I mean, it was the first time I can honestly say that I had been in a room where I knew of that somebody had been in prison. There there might have been times I've been in other rooms and never knew somebody was in prison, but there were people who had been in prison for years and years, you know, longer than I was alive. And the way I was socialized, it had me thinking that these people deserve to be locked up forever, or they deserve to be treated as second class, or deserve, you know, whatever they got coming to them. And the first time I got the chance to sit down and really look look at someone in the eyes who had been in prison and hear that they had a family and they used to like to play basketball and they ran track in high school. So it just brought it so much more home to me that, you know, these, these are still human beings. These are human beings. And, you know, I, I rap about it in that song, you know, it was too much. You know, the first time, then I look into the eyes of the criminal, try to see what he went through, too much. Too much for me, but it was also too much for that other person to go through. And so I think that was a very potent time in my life when I realized I would be engaged in this work, educating people about the prison system, being involved in some ways to sort of right the wrongs sort of the prison system. I would be engaged in that for the rest of my life.
2: And I assume you may have been involved in that kind of thing from day one of your life, I mean, given what your parents, their concern for the community and all. But I'm also assuming that when you made it to Friends Central School, when you started attending there in the ninth grade, that they included some component of that, and that you do it as an admissions now for Friends Central. Do we really make sure that the kids connect with those kind of issues in the community? Yeah,
3: I think this place does such an unbelievable job. Really, one, you have to meet kids where they are, but providing all sorts of opportunities in the classroom through different assemblies that we have, through different opportunities that I, I know we offer to the entire community to take students down to D.C. back in December for March, and it was unbelievable. And so the school does a great job of you know helping students to recognize that they're part of a larger community, and that looks different for every single kid. And when I was a student here, I remember doing service learning projects and going down and helping, and, and that's a part of the life here at Friend Central. That's part of that has been institutionalized, the idea of really recognizing we're part of a community. The, the projects that I did going down to the Friend Center and writing letters to people who were incarcerated was a really powerful moment for me when I was in ninth grade and... I didn't know I would be doing that work later on in life. But once again, it was, just, it was the universe, putting things in perspective. And then thinking about, you know, how in terms of food access, it's helping those in need who don't have food or shelter. And There's so many projects that school engages with I mean, that they're very intentional about. And once again, it's everybody's not going to get involved with prison reform like I will, but people are taking up something that's meaningful for them and really putting their stamp on it, putting their voice into the conversation. It's an unbelievable thing to see.
2: Well, another thing I'd like to see right now is a little bit more of Sterling Dunn's music. What do you want to share next?
3: I think going along with part of, part of being at a school, being with young people who are very impressionable, there's definitely a pressure to sort of copy or emulate things that you see on TV or see amongst peers. So I made this track called copy which talks all about not wanting to fit in or go with the flow but really grounding yourself in what you believe and i think that's something we try to impress on the young people every day so grateful to be in an educational setting so this next track is called copy and letting people know that you don't have to be a copy
2: it's sterling duns and copy
3: long time coming don't keep them coming
0: Sick with the flow, I never stick with the plan I go off the charts, no comments, I might speak from the heart on most occasions, but some occasions homie, I'm just waiting, which kills me, but it's hard to build dreams without building some patience, I remember calling halls, asking where the party at I was in the books, mind sharper than the jagged edge, edges of cliffs, doing pull-ups on the precipice, building empires that are reminiscing of Persepolis, phone calls from new numbers, who the heck is this? A new world to me like seeing me out in Breckenridge skiing, well ask that like Ian Americans and bathrooms are well European and if you hating, you should rethink it for just one reason. We all went racing. Hating is basically just some treason. Is that drastic? Fantastic. My demeanor get past it. Leftovers, perhaps a classic. That's brass. No, no, it's average. The past is in front of me. It's really hard to look past it. I wish it were all plastic. Then I just bend it like Beckham. In my city at nighttime, the stars are hard to see. And then I went to L.A. and saw the stars at my feet. So should I dream on shooting stars of the stars I want to be? Is that American still in the bathroom? I really gotta go and pee. Hey, all than me. I think I had a crush on a girl across the street. When I was younger, I wonder if she remembers me and if she doesn't, I really wonder about my own memories. I've had questions before, probably have some more. I had to jump right in. This nonsense thing is just testing the war. And all the craziness around me, you're testing me, Lord. And all the fragrances around me, you're blessing them all. Give them roses while you can because when you're going, it's only copies. Being average, yo, it's sloppy. So why the date like a floppy? And I would do it even if the whole world tried to stop me. I can live with being me. Rather die than be a copy.
2: I, for one, am so glad, Sterling, that you can live with being you instead of dying to be a copy. That's Mm -hmm. powerful and important words. I I don't know how many people see the choice that way. I mean, a lot of people, they feel like they die if they don't blend in with everyone else. Uh, Were you born with a particularly strong individualist gene or something, or where did that come from? i don't I don't think
3: so mark. I think it would part maybe maybe twenty five percent of that is true, and then the other seventy five I feel like it was cultivated it was cultivated, and there were a lot of people who saw me for who I was and who nurtured me throughout my life. It made me feel comfortable being an individual. I can cite so many people, especially at the high school I went to, but in other parts of my life too, but you know being back at a place that I spent four pivotal years, there were people here who really. I feel like took a chance on me and gave me, helped me with opportunity, provided me with opportunities. A lot of people provided me with opportunities to take risks, and if I failed at something, you know, they were there to pick me up, you know, and so it was really nurtured in me that, you know, it's okay to take a path that not everyone else has taken. In fact, you should, if that feels like the best thing for you to do, you should do it. And so it's been cultivated, and it's hard every day. There's times when I want to be a copy, times when I want to just fall in line and not go against the grain because it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of risk. You know, you put yourself in danger when you're going against the grain or you want to stand up for justice when it seems like no one else around you is standing up for justice. So I feel grateful, once again, for the people that I'm surrounded by here in West Philly, other parts of my life who really encourage me to be me at all times.
2: Yeah, it's made all the difference to me, to my friends. You know, a lot of people are reluctant to be part of a church because they think that there's all this pressure to be a copy of someone else. That's a view of a lot of religion. You know, you got to sign up for the list of the dogma and you all have to repeat after me. And, and obviously, being a Quaker, I know that we don't do that there. I have this problem whenever I go to any other church now. They say, okay, repeat after me, and you, now here's your words. <laughs> that makes it <laughs> so hard. So It's kind of like mm-hmm. this is the place that fits the best for me to be myself.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: How does that end up feeling to you? Yeah,
3: I agree. I think
2: you know, I'm very early in, my, in, in learning
3: about the Quaker faith and what Quakerism means to me. But it's been such a beautiful thing to recognize that I'm on a journey and to really be influenced and inspired by people around me, but to also move at my own pace on my spiritual journey. And I think that's been the best way for me to learn about the virtues that I want to be a part of my everyday life. I think that that was the best way for for me to learn. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, you don't have, you, someone's not at the, at the front telling you, or, you know, saying things and saying what not to believe and what to believe. And not that that's problematic, you know, but for me, I just really found that having the quietness and the stillness was important for me on my spiritual journey.
2: Well, quite sadly, Sterling, we're getting down to the end of our time together, uh, broadcast limits being what they are. How do you want to conclude your song of the soul?
3: I have one more track left. This one's called Family Vacation, part two. There's a part one out there somewhere, but I included this one because it talks a lot about going through once again being an artist being a young person i think it touches you know fi- talking about love talking about relationships talking about identity it touches on a lot of those things and i think it ends on a pretty high note so i hope you enjoy this is family vacation part two
0: for the people always hard work Yo, 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 she don't believe in an afterlife, cause YOLO is all she know. Dashing women in linen, fashion shopping in Monaco. Crashing moons of a cardiac, turn a pop from some guy she know. All new, she laughs, taking another sip of the glass. Zips a purse with the flash, walks fast, but the door made of glass. Hells a cap. watch she takes the left drag and then shoots a tax. Up north, just some money making, man, on Wall Street or something. She'll stick around for a season, but she ain't signing no nothing. Checks the news on the Selly. Ahead at a verdict, another dead on the streets. No one on earth do deserve it. I'm at the right out of college, and art major in Paris. She said she'll probably meet the love of her life. Settle down, get married. I put no moves on the bed because my vision was different. And I don't look back on nothing except my rear mirror. Seeing life so much clearer. I'm better Shoot, I just might be worse My team's a rare breed And we know it Like finding brothers who surf Or finding sisters who golf My little sister's a boss I got a cousin Who's crossover mic And I'm coaching the garden I know that Benz ain't important And I ain't caught them New Jordan Since 010101 to big one for this recording I'm saying going and darling Don't type past me Not starring in no sitcoms When mine became a winner My vision was darkened. rest in peace to Nacre Place where kids don't die no more. So I'm out here spitting rhymes till them cows come home. Contrary to common law, I'm sailing on like the command doors. Go.
2: Last song for Sterling Duns today for Song of the Soul. It's Family Vacation Part 2. And it's from his people collection. And in it, of course, you say Sterling, you know, you don't look back on nothing except in the rearview mirror. So I, that's a good way to drive, I guess. Yeah. Been, <laughs> <laughs> <you're head> <laughs> and the words like, you know, I want the hood to be a place where kids don't die no more. Mm-hmm. I That is such a, a powerful issue right now. I was looking out on the web, finding out more about you. And I saw you with, I think, one of the shirts, you know, Black Lives Matter, What is the racial composition of the city around you right now?
3: In terms of the part of the city that I I live in, it's it's predominantly black, but other parts of West Philly that I hang in is pretty diverse, which I didn't really know growing up. I didn't didn't know white people lived in West Philly, which is pretty funny. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I I think Philly has a long history of of so many different things, so many different things from our, our country's history to racial tension to friend-centered AFSC, that place has a Nobel Prize, you know, so there's just been so much history in this city. I would say that it's pretty diverse, you know, it's, it has a lot of schools, a lot of colleges, a lot of people from different economic, religious backgrounds, different ethnicities represented, at least in the park that I hang out in the most.
2: You know, there's one more thing I should ask you about, I just think I'd be remiss if I didn't. And just to set the stage for this, my name, Mark Helpsmeet. Helps Meet is not the name I grew up with. I grew up as Mark Judkins. And when I got married, my wife and I made up a new last name. And my wife, actually, officially on her certificate now, She her first name is Alethia, even though most people still call her Sandra. You did some name change, and so you took Sterling as your first name when you're on the stage. Where did Sterling come from?
3: Sterling's actually my middle name. My real name is Dwight Sterling Dunstan. And my little sister, her name's Bria, she's a musician as well. And I saw her go under the name Debbie Duns. And I was like, I like the Duns. I like the Duns at the end, the D-U-N-S. So I just went with my middle name, Sterling, and Duns, D-U-N-S. And it's been that way ever since.
2: Well, wh- whether your name's Dwight or whether it's Sterling or Duns or Dunson, doesn't matter to me. What you're doing is such beautiful work. And I think it's probably beautiful work, both your activism stuff and your stuff there with Friends Central. All of that is really good and inspirational. I want to remind our listeners that you can come to the org site. You can find the link to SterlingDuns.com. You can also find the link to a video or two of his that like the one for Closer, I'll have linked on my site, and also the interview that he did with John Watts for Quaker Speak. I'll have a link on my site as well. There's a whole lot more to learn about you, and I really wish we had more time, Sterling. But we don't, so I just want to say thank you for your music, for being here, and for joining me today for Song of the Soul.
3: Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. It's been an unbelievable pleasure. I'm very grateful for the opportunity, and you're doing some beautiful work yourself. So I'm just very grateful to be a part of the conversation
1: that you started from 10 years ago and to many more years. Thanks, Sterling. I wish us both many more years of fruitful work, But in any case, all you listeners, we'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul.
0: You can be happy Let in the light it will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul